The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. On this welcome and welcome back Sunday, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's Day are offered in the praise of God for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made, we shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Grant us, O Lord, 
to trust in you with all our hearts. For as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Upon last Sunday, we heard two parables, one about humility and the other about generosity. Humility being the spiritual form of generosity and generosity being the physical form of humility. How grateful we are for those women and men, say, of the International Red Cross in, minister, in ministry, say, today in the Bahamas for their generous humility, for their humble generosity. May we lean toward the life of faith to which we aspire this week as we bow now for our prayers of confession as the choir guides us. Let us pray. Grace, mercy, pardon, and peace, these from your hand we so gratefully receive, dear Lord. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, says the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will repent of the evil that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will repent of the good which I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, 
Behold, I am shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your doings. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 139 with the Antiphon. have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. 
Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Glory to you, O Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned to them and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate mother, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Our steps 50 summers ago were up and down the Red Rock Mountains of Cimarron, New Mexico and Philmont Scout Ranch, including July 20th, 1969. We ascended that day the sheer rock cliff known as the Tooth of Time. 14, 14-year-olds, 14 and a beleaguered, kindly insurance man, scout master. They should be on the moon by now, he said. But the detail we would only learn coming out of the wilderness some days later. We choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Hard. That was said in a New England voice with a New England accent by a young, imperfect, but brilliant New England president who could celebrate Washington, D.C. and its combination of northern charm and southern efficiency, and could compliment a room full of eminent dinner guests by saying they were the most intelligent dinner gathering ever convened in the White House, with the exception of those evenings when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. He was a war hero, but an accidental one, as he said in self-deprecation, that he became such in a simple way, they sank my boat. His wife could speak French, charm royalty, set fashion directions, comment on musical selections, and light up a room and the globe with a smile. Once he said in introduction, you will recognize me as the man who accompanied Jackie Kennedy to Paris. Grace, charm, elegance, self-deprecation, a fit for the office and for the house and for the role. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Decision, self-sacrifice, service above self, the greater good. And look at us now. Look at our national ethos, culture, rhetoric, and leadership now. SMH, shaking my head, shaking my head. We know better, or at least you do, New England. You know better. Out on the tooth of time, we looked at the stars on that night, July 20th, 1969. The world of possibilities in the world around us flickered and sparkled and blazed. It asked of us a certain height. The Gospel, Luke 14, interpreted here, bears up under the weight of shame, of bitter conflict, of family feud. The gospel gives you the grace to endure, to withstand, to withstand when you cannot understand. And its means to such a saving end? Arithmetic, counting, counting the cost. Hear the gospel of Luke 14, the saving power of arithmetic. Count the cost. Ahead of time, count the cost. By way of illustration, in business and in war, in war that is business and in business that is war, and in everything in between, count the cost. Do the arithmetic. Study the detail. Count. You, careful listener, you recognize that Luke 14, 25 to 33 is not Jesus talking, but Luke writing. 
You realize that Jesus left no written record like Socrates in that. You recognize that he spoke Aramaic, not Greek, and whether or not he was literate. You recall the arithmetic of his life, death, and destiny, the years 4 BCE to 33 CE, and the distance of those from our reading, Luke 14 and 85 CE, to the earliest. Some would date Luke much later. What we hear this morning is, in the first instance, not the voice of Jesus, but the composition of Luke. Of course, and granted, there will be traces of Jesus' voice along the way, Luke chapters 9 to 19 especially, and especially there in the parables, Jesus' own mode of teaching without which nothing. In all, though, and on the bigger whole, this is not Jesus' voice, but Luke's writing. This makes all the arithmetical difference in the world, these 50 years and two opposed forms of rhetoric. Now it may be gazing again at the bulletin or ruminating on the remembered reading of the gospel, the high water mark of our worship each Sunday. You begin to wonder, to ponder, to question. Here are your questions or some of them. Why this discussion of hatred when the gospel and other clothing is about love? Why this denigration of the family when the family is one of the protected entities in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments there? Protection of truth, of communication, of speech, of worship, of family, of life, of property, of marriage, of law, and of commerce. Therein whence the rejection of life itself when otherwise the gospel acclaims life, having life, and having life abundantly. There seems to be some counting and accounting needed, more so. What is the mention here of the cross? Jesus in this narrative is preaching, teaching, healing, going about in Galilee and Judea, a free itinerant prophet. All of a sudden, here comes a word from much, much later cross. Was Jesus making a prediction that only he could see and understand, or is this a clue to the fountain and the origin of this passage? Cross? Cross? I thought we were sharing parables and blessing children and rounding up disciples. More so, the cross is one's own cross. The writer seems to assume that all will get the reference, including you and me, to the cross. How all this talk about the cross when Jesus just now in Luke is teaching in parables and healing the sick a long way from Jerusalem, a long time before the cross? Even more so, how is it that all of a sudden Everyone around Jesus is expected to be a monk, ridding oneself of all, all, not most, not much, but all possessions, all. That's a lot. Even in the era of tunics, ephods, camels, donkeys, sandals, fishing, shepherding, and travel by foot, all. What is transpiring here? Nor does this seem metaphorical in a way that our current preaching would likely choose Hatred, well, you know, not exactly hatred, but mature self-differentiation. Life, well, you know, not exactly life in the sense of breath and nourishment, but in the sense of deep meaning. Cross, well, you know, not exactly crucifixion in the bloody and excruciating physical sense, but self-discipline more in the sense of yoga or exercise. Possessions, well, you know, not in exactly the form of car, home, bank account, and pension, but in the sense of general materiality, of not letting your possessions possess you, so we might preach, but no, no. Actually, Luke 14 does not seem or sound metaphorical at all regarding hatred, life, cross, or possessions. It sounds literal enough to me. Forgive what is only an interpretative guess, even less than that, Yet after many decades of hearing these harsh words, even in Luke, 
The gospel, by the way, of peace, the gospel of love, the gospel of church, the gospel of freedom. These are phrases that sound like the esoteric, ascetic, anti-worldliness of the emerging Gnostic movement. It is as if here, in Luke and Matthew by way of Q, some measure of the enthusiastic pessimism, the bodily asceticism, the turning away from the world, which we know in full, in full Gnosticism, has grown up alongside the gospel, wheat and tares together sown. There are strong par parallels, almost identical, in the Gospel of Thomas, a Gnosticizing document of about the same time as Luke. And there are strong parallels in Poimandres, a fully Gnostic document of about the same time as Luke. Uncompromi uncompromising demands regarding self, regarding family, and regarding possessions may well be a part of the life of faith, warns Luke, out of the Gnostic shadows of his sources. Like all serious engagements, this call to faith teaches Luke, this call to you this morning to receive the gift of faith, and faith is always and only a gift. Luke warns, warns that all, count and account, all serious engagements including this spiritual one, are not to be entered into unadvisedly, not lightly, but reverently, discreetly, and in the fear of God. Jesus counsels his followers not to decide on discipleship without advance, mature, self-probing, without counting and accounting. It is as if Jesus is saying to us this morning, I want to make this for you the hardest decision of your life. So, this may mean that the struggles under this passage of Holy Scripture, Luke 14, our sufficient rule of faith and practice, are from 85 CE, not 30 CE. That is, there is in the emerging church a set of conflicts that require some arithmetic some counting, accounting, how much home, how much away, how much kindness, how much honesty, how much self-affirmation, how much self-abnegation, how much materiality, how much spirituality. Before you set out to go to college or to take a job or to get married, to sell the farm or go to war or build a tower, well, you might just want to do the math. A few years ago, both at Marsh Chapel and in other pulpits, and not to worry if you remember it not, this sermon I'm about to reference, we will not be offended if you don't remember the sermon, not much anyway. We offered a sermon on the theme, Exit or Voice. The heart of that sermon engaged a dilemma familiar to many, perhaps to you. Do I stay and lift my voice in a situation I find intolerable? Or do I leave an intolerable situation and lose my voice to effect its change? An economic study from MIT in the 1970s on a similar though commercially related thesis had partly inspired that sermon. The question in the Gospels generally about freedom and determinism, human will and divine will, gave the theological background then. The difficulty, exit or voice, in some ways is a daily one for people of faith in matters tiny and gigantic. It requires arithmetic. Do I, do I leave my church because of its current discrimination against gays, or do I stay to lift my voice in opposition to that discrimination? Do I leave my party, perhaps the party of my upbringing, now become a party of ethnic hatreds and rhetorical ugliness, or do I stay and live to fight another day? Do I leave regular relationship with my extended family out of real painful hurt occasioned in conversation?
Or do I stay and take my lumps, hope for sunshine at the next holiday gathering? The determining impact and influence of conditions and situations well beyond your control and mine is, unde is undeniable. These are hard choices. But so, too, is freedom, or the sense of freedom, I feel to make a choice, make a decision, and make some difference one way or another. You will not be surprised to know that this theme across the land still enervates, reverberates, and agitates near and far. Call it a daily cruciform arithmetic. Here is an example, an application of our gospel lesson. Three summers ago, David Brooks took time to consider a meaningful cultural and personal issue perhaps a newly nuanced, though unintended, approach to exit and voice that he called at the edge of inside. He starts, though, with a different language at our same point of departure, exit voice, then adds. There's also a third position in any organization. Those who are at the edge of the inside these people are within the organization, but they're not subsumed by groupthink. They work at the boundaries, bridges, and entranceways. We borrow this concept from Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest from Albuquerque. His point is that people who live at the edge of the inside have crucial roles to play. You are free from a group's central seductions, but also free to hear its core message in very new and creative ways. A doorkeeper must love both the inside and the outside of his or her group and know how to move between these two loves. A person at the edge of inside can be the strongest reformer. Think of Martin Luther King. A person on the edge of the inside knows how to take advantage of the standards and practices of the organization, but not be imprisoned by them. Now more than ever, we need people who have the courage to live on the edge of inside, who love their parties and organizations so much that they can critique them as a brother, operate on them from the inside as a friend, and dauntlessly insist that they live up to their truest selves. Dear ones, one could hear here encouragement for university congregations and university pulpits. At once on the edge of the academic inside and at once on the edge of the ecclesiastical inside, too. And one could hear here a question for you to take home, for me to take home, about our choices about social location as a part of the life of faith, as a part of our witness to gospel ministry. Again with Luke 14, a reminder of the need for some basic arithmetic it is a matter of arithmetic, of counting and accounting. Try to fit that for which you hope into the waist and shirt size of the clothing you have to put on. Calculate. Such an interesting word at root referring to pebbles in the hand. Sometimes that counting and accounting is found inside and sometimes outside. Sometimes this is about what you can hold in your fingers and on your palm. We began 21 minutes ago in New England, where also we shall now conclude. Not all great poets and poems come from New England, but, but you are in New England now. So to conclude, Robert Frost. And what I would not part with, and what I would not part with 
I have kept. Be able to count what you can count on in your own experience and leave the rest. I could give all to time except, except what I myself have held. But why declare the things forbidden that while the customs slept, I have crossed to safety with, for I am there, and what I would not part with, I have kept. As we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I invite you to assume an attitude and posture of prayer by remaining seated, kneeling, standing, or coming to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. giving voice to the deep longings of our hearts in prayer on this welcome Sunday, I will conclude each petition, God in your mercy. Please respond, hear our prayer. For the heat of summer turning to the briskness of fall, we give thanks. God in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the hustle and bustle of a campus full of new and returning students, faculty, and staff, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the daily, weekly, semesterly rhythm of study, work, meditation, and rest, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the loving embrace of family and friends near and far, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For new friends, new classmates, new teachers, new clubs, new spaces, new experiences, and new learning, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the abundant welcome of community, the ready availability of belonging, and the regular opportunity for table fellowship, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For wisdom and insight and discipline and knowledge, we give thanks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For wisdom and insight and discipline and knowledge, we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the abundant welcome of community, the ready availability of belonging, and the regular opportunity for table fellowship, we pray. 
God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For new friends, new classmates, new teachers, new clubs, new spaces, new experiences, and new learning, we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the loving embrace of family and friends near and far, we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the daily, weekly, semesterly rhythm of study, work, meditation, and rest, we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For one last breath of summer's warmth, we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, as Jesus taught, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning on this Welcome Back Sunday. I am the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and on behalf of the Marsh Chapel staff, we welcome you again to the chapel on this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us as part of our community of worship today, whether you are here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio, or live stream on the internet, or later via our podcast. Please know you are a valued member of our community. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. This week at Marsh Chapel, we are back to our full slate of programming. Today we begin our children's religious education programming. We invite children to the lower level of Marsh Chapel during the final hymn for a special back-to-school crafting session. On Monday, please join us for a meditative night prayer at 5.30 in the nave of the chapel, followed by community dinner at 6 p.m. 
On Tuesday, we will have Create Space, a time of, for creation and expression through arts from 3 to 6 p.m., followed by Global Dinner Club. This week, it is Make Your Own Taco Bar. On Wednesday, we offer Tai Chi at 12.45 to 1.45 in the Marsh Room. And later on that evening, we offer our ecumenical Eucharist service in Robinson Chapel at 5.15, which is followed by dinner. On Thursday, we have Mind, Body, Spirit Yoga from 5 to 6 p.m. in Robinson Chapel, and mats are provided. I would like to introduce Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, our Marsh Chapel Director of Music, to let you know of our wonderful music offerings. Thank you so much, Karen. Good morning and uh, welcome to Marsh Chapel. It's so nice to see you all. We have eight new members of the chapel choir singing this morning. If you're singing your first service with us, uh, will you please stand and let us welcome you? Eight new members. You too can join the Marsh Chapel Choir. We have one more round of auditions this Thursday night at six o'clock. We'll begin rehearsal at 6.30, but come and uh, signal your interest. There's a brochure in the narthex. You can write in and let us know you're coming. We'd be delighted to meet you and to welcome you. There is another choir called the Thurman Choir, which will begin rehearsals next Sunday after the service at 12.30. We'll meet downstairs. That's our parish choir. No audition required for the Thurman Choir come and sing as you like. Tonight at 7.30 in this room, uh, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir rehearses led by my colleague Herb Jones. And I know Herb would love to see you um, if you're interested to sing with the Gospel Choir. Plenty of opportunities for you to raise your voice and song with all of us and delighted to welcome you and to invite you to participate in any and all of those activities. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Dr. Jarrett. After our service today, please join us on the BU Beach for our welcome back barbecue lunch. Next Sunday, we will have our first full session of morning study group. This semester, we are reading Anne Lamott's new book, Almost Everything. Copies are available for a suggested donation of $15 in the Marsh Chapel office. Bible study will begin next Sunday at 12.30. This semester, Bill Quartz will be leading a study on Paul's letter to the Hebrews. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu chapel or feel free to pick up a term book in the lobby of the chapel. And there is also the opportunity for online giving. How does God's love abide in anyone who has this world's good, sees a brother or sister in need, and yet refuses to help?
creator of the universe, who grounds our being and fills existence with meaning, use our charitable gifts so that we can continue to be a place of divine love and hospitality for those around us, and for every student who has traveled along here during their spiritual journeys. Through Christ, the one whose journey exemplified the, the love divine, amen. shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, travel to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy right hand shall lead me and hold me. If I say, let only the darkness cover me and the night about me be as light, even the darkness is not dark to thee. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with thee. <laughs> 